Hello, welcome to episode 178 of Three Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird, I'm with... Barry Neal. Barry, Merry Christmas. Well, almost Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Eve to yourself. Yes, Merry Christmas Eve. Yeah, we are doing this on the 24th of the I think it's the first time I've ever recorded on Christmas Eve. Um, because wow. normally a, a pub in Glasgow on Christmas Eve is not somewhere you can you can record mm. a, a podcast. It's usually it's slightly more rowdy than in, in my living room. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> so the, the one of the Zoom and one of the well, a COVID nation is we can sit at home and record this tonight. Um, so we are obviously separate as we have been for pretty much the full nine months. Um, are you drinking anything tonight since it is Christmas Eve? Uh, I'm not going to lie, man. I have actually just woke up, to be fair. Like, I woke up literally about uh, just over an hour ago and I was okay. struggling to actually get out of bed. I, thing was, I woke up, watched... Uh, Watched one of the movies that we're going to discuss in a wee minute or two, and then proceeded to then go back to sleep <laughs> for some reason, for absolutely no reason. Like I didn't have, I had nothing on my agenda today, so I just went, "Fuck, I'm going back to sleep." It's <laughs> not dissimilar to that of a koala. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much how I spend my days off nowadays. It's just eating, Hugging sleeping. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, it's back on point. I'm currently drinking Brew Dog at uh, Punk IPA once again, beautifully delivered by yourself. So right. you know, you know. So I've got a bottle of Bailey's as well. So I know I'm going to smash that later on the night. So nice, well done to you. So I, I, am, I had some tropical Brew Dog today, um, as I was finishing work, but it was a bit stronger than I expected. So I've had to like sort of lay off that now. So I'm just on a bottle of water to try and sober myself up because I feel like I was getting a bit too drunk a bit too early. Uh, on Christmas Eve, so I've had to Shocking. calm it down a little bit. So we be bottle of water so just, to, just to calm myself down. Um, so as it's now been traditional because of COVID, um, we talk about the, the, the movie news. Of anything of interest in the movie news world happening you've, you've came across in the last couple of days that you want to discuss? Uh, the first big one is obviously MGM has put themselves back up for sale again. Um, yes, this is, this is not uncommon. This is almost a, a, a monthly or... or <laughs> ritual essentially the engine yeah. will ship itself they, and try to find a buyer it's like they are, they are moved, choking they are choking yeah I mean I recently moved house and I remember um, you always see those houses that were on the market for a long long time and it always makes you wonder what's yeah. fucking wrong with them that they've been everything the outside looks really pretty and lovely but you go it's on the market for like nine months and every, every other house is going to find it in about two days why is it still on the market and you don't want to investigate it too much and you know um, and MGM feels a little bit like that you know they're, they're, Throwing themselves around so much, you feel there must be something up them, <laughs> other than the fact that they want money. Um, they seem very desperate to sell. But unfortunately, as I think we've discussed in the past, they don't really have a great catalogue. You know, it's not like Disney no. Fox. You know, when, when Disney bought Fox, they've done it specifically for one reason, and that was to buy Star Wars and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So when I got yeah. that, MGM's not really got that, I don't think. I think the only franchise it really has is, a, is a, I think it may have the Bond franchise, possibly. It does. Paramount. It does. Got the Bond one, yeah, uh, and it's yeah. got obviously the, the Bond movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not. It, it's not one you think. Well, you want to spend. I mean, what, what's that? What they're saying, five billion they want for it. Uh, just under five billion. They've kind yeah. of rounded that up for for when they're talking to like other people outside the US. So it's, yeah. it's about five billion dollars they want, and you're just about like. The problem is, outside of the kind of James Bond franchise, a lot of the other things that they've got in their catalogue. They are dead franchises, and when I say dead, I mean like they're finished. Well, I'm, looking at, them right, I'm looking at them right now, and let's, I'll, I'll go through a couple that MGM has. So, we've got the yeah. Robocop franchise. I, mean, I love Robocop, dead. but it's not been relevant for the last what 20 30 years essentially. That the, the movie that they try to reinvent yeah. it just died in its arse. The Stargate franchise, which did well yeah. on TV, but it's been done for a while. Um, the Legally Blonde yeah. franchise, which obviously is something that's there, but. Sh- should be fucking dead. You've got the Pink Panther franchise, which has not been a thing for at least 15 years. Um, Are they not the making a new one? Which is still trundling along to some degree. Yeah. yeah. Um, still seems yeah. to make money. Well, it's still evolved into Creed. Yeah, so I wish Creed sort of reinvented that. So there is something there for that one. Then you've got the Bond franchise, the Handmaid's Tale, you've got the Vikings and stuff like that. It's not really... There's nothing that really floats your boat to go, ooh, can't wait to you know to have that. You know, they have mm. stuff like you know, the Adams family and stuff like that. It's just it doesn't seem that something that you're gonna, you know, jump right out at it. Yeah. I I don't think it's worth the price tag is the problem. Yeah. You know. 
And the fact is, it's like whoever buys it, if it gets bought this time around, it's yeah. like apart from obviously having the catalog on, because the main reason why they'll try to pump it is they'll try to sell it to get it on to like one of these online uh, services. And the problem is, outside of just dumping all their back catalog onto that service, is there's not really an avenue to really generate new content outside of the uh, James Bond movies, which take like years and years to make anyway. Aye. No, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, look, they, they can make money off of it by having the, you know, the movie getting re-shown, and they're obviously constantly going to be selling DVDs and Blu-rays and all that kind of stuff. So they're, 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 it can make money that way. The same way that Star Wars always made money for for Fox, even when it wasn't, even when making Star Wars movies, you know, the Star Wars yeah. brand was still making money. Um, I mean, the only thing I really say is that MGM also includes stuff like United Artists, which is sort of, mm. is, in, is one, it's a, that's a, a big back catalogue of things like that, but how much, you know, I don't know if it's as much worth, you know, in terms of, you know, is it really worth the five billion? So, but that, that is something it would have. Um, it would also have the Polygram and the Island Pictures, uh, Empire International, Canon. So it, it, there is some stuff there that it has that, that you can think it, it would have a very large catalogue. But everyone right now is looking for the franchises. You know that's why you know and they, they don't have that. So that's something obviously that I would be thinking the, the, the six billion or five billion price tag is really not not worth it. But if it if it allows them to mm. to be bought and someone buys them and uses it in a good way and, and, and use it to make new movies and use it to, to be another player in the in the field. I'm all for it because I, I, what I don't want to happen, what we discussed before, where Disney owns everybody, and there's absolutely no um, sort of places where people go to make content that isn't Disneyfied. You know, you want to somewhere you can go with, but it's, but it's, yes. a, it's opposite. So here's hoping someone has an idea for it. If, if you and me can scrape up five billion, maybe we'll really look at it. But that could be a wee bit away before we have that kind of money to do so. Well, that was that was the joke on the on the forum that I seen uh, originally was like all the people in the comment section were trying to scrape together a few quid that they had down yeah. the side of their couches and stuff to try and collectively buy it just yeah. to stop someone like Disney buying it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, outside of Disney's, that, the I don't only think other... Disney's shown any real interest in buying it from what I'm led to believe. They nah. haven't really shown too much love. Um, I'd imagine, I'd, I'd imagine something some like Amazon, mostly, or Apple might be more likely to sort of be pitching in for it. That mm, could possibly be where they would uh, maybe go. You know, yeah. that, that, that'd be my thinking. Outside of the initial story, I haven't heard any, I haven't seen any updates, any oh. interest about it at all. So I think it's one of those things that's popped up and it's almost be, it's almost like, a, I'm guessing it's like a running joke in Hollywood now. It's like, oh, here comes MGM, it's back up for sale again. <laughs> I think it's also in this day and age where, like, you know, studios and that are finding a bit of trouble because of the COVID and they able to show stuff. It is, it's, sort of, it's part of a larger story of like the, sort of the death of the cinema industry to some degree of, you know, like, you know, one of the main, you know, that's one of the mainstay studios of Hollywood, you know, Fox, you had MGM, United Artists, you know, a couple of other ones that were sort of the mainstays of, of Hollywood. This is one of the, this is, this, that, I mean, MGM's like 96 years old, so it is pretty much like the dawn of Hollywood. The fact that it's trying to sell itself off, mm. you know, tells you that there's, there's problems afoot. Um, any other movie news of mm. interest you, you found? Yes, just very, very briefly, I've not even clicked on the title because I'm not giving in to it. It's simply, should Johnny Depp return for the Pirates of the Caribbean reboot? And the simple answer is no, because nobody wants a fucking reboot of that franchise either. True, but I don't think you are. Johnny Depp does seem to be, at this time, tainted goods. Um, I don't think he'll be mm. back in the Disney world for a while. Um, I think yeah. anything, that, anything that Disney is going to do with the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise right now is definitely going to be much more of a they're going to re you know retool it, repurpose it. I think that the talk right now is of um, Margot Robbie and Florence Pugh starring in some like oh. about female pirates. Okay. I think that I think that's more the route they'll go down. They'll, they'll retool it and sort of refocus it somewhere else rather than on Jack Sparrow. Um, yeah. So I, I don't really see him coming back. Um, Johnny Depp made a lot of money from those films, and you'll, you'll, you'll be very comfortable in life, I think, for the most part. Um, mm. So. But yeah, I don't really see I don't really see Pirates coming back. And like to be honest, like the last few Pirates films were pretty shit. You know, the first one. Yeah. Was, I, I love the first one. I think probably most of us did. 
second one had second and third ones had some sort of charm, but they definitely sort of I definitely had less interest. And the time you got to like the fourth and the fifth one, I was just I just didn't care. And I think most of the audience didn't really care that much either. So I it was a total diminishing return at that point, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I have news on not movie news. We're off that now. But I have move news on the Camel Lairds who are back playing football. Lovely, lovely. They're playing the game at the weekend um, under their new management. Not a good start. A one 0 loss to New Mills. But must be really tough just now. You know, having to like sort of train for like a couple of weeks and getting told you're not playing and trying to come back. You know that kind of stuff. And by all accounts, it wasn't a it was a, it was a close match. Um, but it must be really hard to try and get stuff like that going this now. Just it's constantly getting broken up every sort of week or two weeks by new announcements in the, the government, you know. Yeah, totally, dude. It's uh, uh, <laughs> when it comes to sports, there's nothing, there's nothing more important than like continual like levels of fitness, and that is only so much these guys can do outside Aye. of like uh, gyms and on the trading field and all that and by themselves. So uh, it's it's a horrible catch-22. And unless you're in the top-tier Premier Leagues of like football, you're not going to be bubbling away from each other for like games that may or may not happen. So. Aye, exactly. These you guys can't afford to do it, so that's, that's what really sucks. So uh, but hopefully this they're allowed to continue playing. Hopefully they start getting some wins under, under the belt. Um, it has been a very trying year for our beloved Camel Laird, so... He is very much hoping that it starts going, starts going better. Um, yeah, so yes, that's the news. This now we're going to move on to the, the movies of choice this week. Now it's a busy week because it's the last one we do before Christmas, so we get four movies to talk about across the various streaming services. Uh, we'll start with Apple Plus, um, and that film is Wolf Walkers from the Irish um, animation studio called Cartoon Saloon. Yeah, they're based out, out of Kilkenny. Um, okay. This film is directed by Tom Moore, who directed Song of the Sea and The Secret of Kells. Uh, they're, they're both from Carlton, so you get a chance to watch them. They are excellent. Uh, and Ross Stewart is also directed on his debut feature, but I think he has been sort of heavily involved in uh, the other movies. Sort of one of those things, it's a bit like the Pixar model can extend. You know, one guy directs, someone else is sort of always beside learning, and then eventually get a chance, and then eventually move off on their own and do their own thing as well. So there's this sort of constant, yeah. constant sort of teaching and, and, and helping each other to try and make the, the best film. Um, the plot of this film, it's set in 1600s Ireland, um, which, you know, bear with me here, people, um, where the British have went into, into Ireland under Cromwell, and they are trying to take control of of the, the, the town. There's a young girl who is the, sort of the daughter of a British officer, um, and she becomes fascinated by the wolf people who live in the, the village, or in the, in the forest, who, sort of, who are sort of seen as both protectors and sort of the, the villains of the town. Uh, and it's her sort of fascination with them and becoming friendly with one of the women, girls, young girls who is a wolf walker, which is essentially werewolves, but not as not not as you not quite as you know them. And essentially, it's about their their story of friendship and, and their understanding of who where they are in in, in the world and, and what they mean to the, the environment in which they're in. Uh, you've got in the film you get Sean Bean playing the, the British officer, uh, Simon McBurney plays the very mean British officer. You've got Tommy Tiernan uh, coming up, popping up a little role. Maria Doyle Kennedy, um, who I know from the commitments. She plays the mother wolf. And Honor Kingsley, uh, she plays a sort of the young girl who is um, the, the main protagonist of the film. Um, this is on Apple Plus, so you get a chance to watch it. I would highly recommend it because I'm going to start by saying I absolutely love this. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I thought the animation was just absolutely stunning to watch. Um, it had a lot more in common with sort of like Japanese art and um, in the sense of like the Studio Ghibli stuff. You get a chance to watch that on Netflix, mm. very much in that rather than like being your typical, you know, Pixar or Disney style story. Um, perfectly pitched vocal performances, they all feel believable, they all feel built in. They don't ever really resort to caricature of about, you know, the you know, Irish accents and that. They all feel very believable and real, and uh, nothing seems very fake. Um, it has very similar themes to the film Brave. You've seen that film. Um, I don't know if you've yes. seen that one, the Pixar one. But it feels it's yeah, similar yeah. to that, but it doesn't feel derivative. It doesn't feel like it's trying to copy it. There's a distinct sort of more Irishness to this one, as opposed to the more Scottishness of Brave. So there is definitely a distinction between the two of them. And definitely, they're both tackling similar themes, but both doing it in different and interesting ways. Um, and then, yeah, I, I just really dug it. I really liked it. I, I thought it was a fantastic watch, and it's a lot of fun, and just really swept me up. And a real shame I watched it at home. 
I feel watching this one, the big massive screen would have been really something special. Because some of the animation is absolutely amazing. Um, probably yourself, what do you think of it? 100% agree with everything you've just said there. I absolutely adored this movie today. Um, yeah, I, that was one of my main points that I was going to actually mention was how good the animation was, like how much yeah. I actually love the animation style. Um, I think it's because we are so confident Disney-ness, that something different that's not Disney just sort of really jumps out at us. Like, did you, did you mean watch that film, uh, I Lost My Body, the one about the, the hand going through France? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It felt like that. You know, you, you recognise it, but it's so different that there's something really special. Sorry. Um, yeah, go on. What else, what else do you think of it? I, sorry, so I was just going to say, like, like, I absolutely adored the animation style. Like, kind of, like, took it back to, like, the cat. The, like, what we remember Disney as when we were growing up, before the world of, like, Pixar and all that, when... Yeah. You not, can not, almost not see Pixar, could be, we both love no. Pixar. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. But like just you can see that like every scene has been drawn, you yeah. know. Like you can see there's been a labour of love in that, you know. Whereas mm. I feel sometimes with these kind of modern kind of CGI styled 3D modeling Pixar styled movies, a lot of the kind of talent gets lost in it because Me. it is they are so good. Yeah, I think that's the big thing to say. Like this Sometimes less is more animation. You don't need to show every single hair follicle on someone's head. You know, which Pixar do, and Pixar do amazingly well with it. It looks absolutely stunning. It almost does look at times like photo real. But there's something beautiful about seeing just this, aesthetic, like, animation. Like, you know what it is. At times, very broad strokes. And like I was saying, it did feel very much like, more like Japanese art in some ways. It, it doesn't, it's not focusing every minute and in, 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 intimate detail. It's just sort of showing this broad stroke of this film. And it's especially stuff when it's a wolf point of view and it's running in the forest that just to me was just amazing like how 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 they got that across but didn't overall your information just it, it's almost like a like a poem like it's like tone and texture as opposed to you know just showing you everything you need to see you know it's just giving you an idea of what's happening so no i i, I, I really enjoyed the animation a lot what do you think of the story Were you did you enjoy the story did you enjoy the, the actual plot of it did it was it, were you taking yeah it? no no I, I thought the story was very nice man i thought it was very sweet it was a it was, it was a nice wee tale about like not judging people on your first initial thoughts and yeah. like, and ultimately becoming friends, yeah. even though someone has a different like way of life or outlook in life. It was it was a very nice sweet story. I found. I think in in a twenty twenty world, it felt like something the world kind of needs to be told that you know you you can be friend, you can have disagreements with people, but you, but you don't the us and them thing really works out as it has been good. Um, also, I think mm-hmm. it's really nice that it came from, it came from an Irish studio. Um, yes, a really unique voice in the animation world. They don't seem to be so like I said, they're not following Disney's path. And I'm not, I'm not against Disney in terms of animation. Disney does some great animation, but it is always nice to have that other voice. You know, something maybe a little bit different. Just doing things in a slightly different way. Um, you know, just, yeah. just just to compare and contrast. You know, and, and hopefully, in many ways, inspire each other. You know, hopefully, maybe Disney will take something from. The cartoon saloon guys maybe use some of their ideas. Maybe cartoon saloon will use some of the Disney ideas to try and you know tell stories. So it's it's, it's just nice. Mm. The more variety we have in the world in terms of studios, in terms of like some people putting stuff out, I think only benefits us. Oh, one hundred percent, absolutely. Because as we've seen, every studio has got its own unique style. Yeah, and a lot of the time they stick to that style. Very seldomly do they ever move away from it. So yeah, absolutely. Variety is the spice of life, as they always um, I would say if, if you're a fan of things like Studio Ghibli, if you're a fan of the I Lost My Body film that was on um, Netflix recently, um, The Breadwinner as well, if, you, if you've ever seen that film, this one is more up, up your street. It's definitely a kid's film, I would say. It's definitely a child's film. It's definitely for children. Mm. Um, mm. It has got some darker tones to it, and so it can be watched for the whole family, but it's definitely not like an adult cartoon. It's definitely, it's definitely still aimed, no. I think, very predominantly at children, uh, which I think is uh, really wonderful. Um, out, out of 10, what do you give it? Oh, I'm giving it a solid eight, man. No, I'm not the same. I'm giving it a nine, nine out of ten. Nice, nice. One of my favourites of this year. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. From that, we move on to BBC iPlayer for the final instalment of the Steve McQueen Small Acts series uh, or anthology. Uh, this one's called Education. Steve McQueen, obviously, the guy that did all the other Small Acts films that we've talked about recently. Alex Vito, uh, Mangrove was the other one we like, Lovers Rock, uh, Red, White, mm. and Blue. Um, he also did films like Kill You the Slave, Widows and Hunger. Um, the plot of this one, it's about a young boy in school in the 1980s in, uh, in London. 
uh, West, uh, West um, Indian origin, I believe. And essentially, he is dyslexic, but the school just treat him as essentially an idiot. And he gets sent left behind by mm. his entire school and by everyone because he just no one wants to help him. And his mother sort of forced into trying to help him herself, but she's very busy because she's sort of trying to do like three or four jobs. And it just and it's also it's trying to highlight the disconnect between sort of like the new immigrants and sort of the ones who are come from the, sort of the second generation. It's trying to, try to highlight the, the difference their outlook on life and the ones who came to came to Britain first and um, who came uh, and it's the ones who settled in, in Britain. Uh, from the, the Caribbean and in, in, in West Africa, um, so yeah, so, so that's essentially the story. Uh, in the film, I didn't really recognise many people. You've got uh, Kenya Sanoy, Sandy. So Kenya Sandy, he plays the young boy. Uh, Charlene White plays the mother. Uh, S.M.N. Smith um, plays the sister, and Linda Thomas popped up in it as well in a role. Um, what do you think of this one? Once again, this was a more cast serious one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, but I have noticed there's, there has been a distinct change as the series has went on. It's became a lot more dealing with stronger, uh, more prevalent issues. Uh, oh, it's the fucking bad man. <laughs> it's one of those fucking nights, man. Sorry, but you're going to be editing this like no one's business. Yeah. Uh, aye, it's um, aye. This was a lot more like a, another serious episode, and yeah, once again, it just highlighted a real fucking problem. Like back then, when they were like separating folk yeah. and how they treated other people, and yeah, just always. Uh, I know I keep on saying this, but it does always leave a bad taste in my mouth when I do see all this stuff, you know, and. I do know it was a different time and a different era, and we have moved on significantly since then. But like, yeah, it still just always leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you do see it, and you're just like, why were we ever doing it back then? You know, it's a, it's the abject sadness when you see like the way the head teacher talks to his mother. Mm. You know, it's like going, she, he's not even giving the boy a chance. He, she's just basically he's just basically saying your boy's dumb, but not want to say that. But your boy's stupid. Take him away. We mm. can't deal with him. And he's not. He's clearly yeah. not stupid. He's just dyslexic. That's it. You know, yeah. he can't read, but he's, he's, he's very smart in every other, every other respect. But you see how he changes when he goes to this school where it's, he is full of surrounded by kids who do have distinct learning disabilities. You know, yeah. you have people, you know, with sort of emotional and sort of mental um, disablements. He's not that. He can't. He's, he, he can't read, but he, everything else about him, maybe he's, he's a smart kid, and just you see how this kid can get left behind and slip through the cracks and just sort of basically just be ignored by everyone. And it's just, it generally is so sad. Yeah. The really horrible bit in it, and it was such a simple bit, and it was, it was how overt the racism in it was at times, but without even blinking when they'd done it. And I think that's probably maybe said mm. what the world is like and what it definitely was like. When like the, the teacher, the Scottish teacher, who's teaching them in the special school, they go out for a play, and she just goes, and he goes like, "What do I do?" And he goes, she can, and he just basically turns to him and goes, "You can go and play in the jungle with like, all your other monkey friends." And it just sort of like, she didn't even say it to be, she didn't even say it to be mean to him. She just said it almost like it's something that people would just say. Yeah, I. That's how the that's how the like they seen them, and that's uh-huh. how like the cat spoke about them. You know, yeah, it was, that that bit was rough. I was yeah. like, oh Jesus! It, it didn't even it wasn't even rough. It wasn't even like done in a way that you go, this is a, this is a terrible moment of the, of the program. They just done in a way like, oh, that's just it's just always there, just simple. And mm. we come from a, a, a west of Scotland, where I'm sure we've heard people use drugs returns for people who come from other ethnic groups. And mm. it became it, well, even when we were growing up, it, became, it was something that was so openly used all the time that now it's been actually yeah. now it's been. It's been diminished now, but if someone still uses it, like an older person who you know uses still uses something like that. It does set you back. Yeah, it does. It's it's quite luckily enough though. It's like I don't hear it a lot. No, neither. Like every now, every now and again, when you do hear it, it does. It kind throws you. You're just like, why are you saying that? It's like, like. Why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if someone refers to a Chinese person in the derogatory term, you go, "Why are you using yeah. that word?" You know, it's like it, no one ever uses yeah. that word, but it's you know, it's one of the things that's still there. Um, so yeah. that, that was that part of the film was really interesting about how they sort of just 
how people had to deal with that, you know, just that constant, and why people would, if you're dealt with that from a young age, why you would then, why you would struggle with everything else, because you've just been treated like crap for pretty much the get-go. Yeah, 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 those in car, those... Those kind of important years in life when you're kind of developing and you're kind of yeah. starting to find your feet in life and who you are and how you identify yourself. Yeah. It's like this guy's getting pretty much fucking just downtrodden all the time. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bit of a sad one this episode. You know? And it's not, and I think the sad thing about it is it's not like a one off case where you go, this is like the one time it happened and everybody learned their lesson and it all changed. Mm. This, it's not, it's not even a true, this one's not even a true story. It's like, it's a bit, it's a, a hundred thousand stories of kids who are treated like this, unfortunately. And that's yeah, the real yeah. sadness. And when people, when, so that, that, that kid now would be what, about 35, 40, maybe something like that, give or take. If, if it was, if it was real, it would be like 35, yeah. 40, maybe just not, not much younger than us, not much older than us, maybe 40 year old, something like that. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Take. So yeah. you can understand why, if he's 40 year old, you know, a black guy living in London, why he would have distaste towards, towards authority and towards the world because it's treated him like crap. Yeah, totally. It's almost in a way you can actually, you do kind of, you do in a way kind of start sympathising how people end up with extreme ideas towards other like races and all the rest of it. If they see either one of their family members getting like killed or whatever or any sort of like injustice happening, you can see why these kind of like extreme ideas never fade away. Yeah. Because if they if they witness or are involved in an act like that, it's like, of course you're gonna be, of course you're gonna fucking hate, like, whatever. You know? Aye, it's no like, you know, it, yeah, it's yeah, sad, sad state of affairs, man. Um, just generally on before we rate this one, um, generally on the small act series, um, I really enjoyed them. I thought they were all excellent. I thought you know, I think we'll oh yeah, totally, man. Between ten and eight, I think it's right. Much. I didn't really go any eight out of ten. I don't think in any of them. Um, no, I know. I know. I've already went back and watched them um, rock, uh, lovers rock like Marvin. three times already. Nice. <laughs> um, and I think it was also really brilliant. We've got to really acknowledge this trait, um, like you know, off the off the bat of it is this. This was on the BBC. This wasn't something you had to go and find, you know, on some streaming thing. You got to pay like you know a subscription fee to and like it's always you're paying a license mm-hmm. fee. But this is available for everyone to watch. Like anyone can watch this. It's not yeah, like yeah. You, it's not you have to struggle to find it. And I think that's what's even more brilliant. About it and something that we sometimes take for granted in this country that we have a BBC who do who put stuff like this on and well would this mm. have found an audience without the BBC? Who knows? You know, would, would it have been funded? Yeah, I think Yeah, well exactly like as much as the BBC have had their issues, at least in the last ten years, they they also do like a lot of good in terms of promoting smaller either music actor eh, music artists or yep. film artists or actors and actresses. It's like they do push a lot, and they do, and that's what they do well. You know, yeah. it's Steve McQueen's not all the Steve McQueen's, you know, Oscar. I, 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 I know, but like, like you said, it's like if this series, albeit five episodes, if this, if this say like ended up on Netflix, it would be buried within like fucking weeks, and nobody yes. would see it. Whereas it's very prominent, prominently advertised on the iPlayer. You yeah, know? I think that's I think that's really something we really and. Brought it to maybe to an audience who maybe wouldn't be looking for it and maybe want, maybe we need to see it, you know, more mm. just people looking out. It's, it's there or it's there to be seen. Um, out of 10, yeah, what are you having this totally. one? Well, this is, this is a solid 8 out of 10 again, man. This is another good episode. In fact, they've all been fucking good. You know? They've all been excellent. <laughs> all been excellent. Um, I'm 8 out of 10 as well. Um, on from that, we move on to Netflix and we go for the documentary this time called Dick Johnson is Dead, directed by his. Mm. By a, well, his his uh, daughter, Kirsten daughter. Johnson, um, who's done a film called yes. uh, Camera Person. Um, plot of this one is very weird. It's, it's, it's a guy called Dick Johnson who is a, mm. sort of, he's approaching the end of his life. He knows it. He's in his 80s, maybe, maybe 90s. Um, and it's him and his daughter sort of just coming to terms with the fact that he is going to be gone, that he's, he's going to pass away, um, and what the world and, and what his legacy will be in many ways. Um, and in a very odd twist of thing to do is they're trying to figure out how he's going to die in, in some sort of really silly, stupid way. <laughs> and, and it's just him coming to terms with, with, with that. Um, I mean, I'll start off on this one. I, I, I found it quite a unique, nice one. Barry's now drinking Brewdog Lightspeed. Very fancy. Um, 
it's, it's, it's unique and compelling watching it. I don't know, I think I did like it, but it's a very odd fascination with it um, when you're watching it because yeah. you you and your partner deal with it a lot more than most people do, but you, you've dealt with death quite a lot you know, within your, your job, so, you, so maybe you have a, a desensitization to it to some degree. But I think for a lot of people, well, yeah, 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 to some degree, not, not, not. I'm not saying you're desensitized, but yet you, you sort of you can distance yourself from it from some to some respect. Um, and yes. as much as I'm a person who believes in, like, you know, medical science stuff like that, and I see like you know the body is the body. Once it goes, it goes type thing. The the mm. concept of death is still probably one of the one of the last taboos in our culture where people don't like to talk about it. I feel people don't like to sort of discuss yeah. it pre. You know, you know, you know, pre it happened. Like, like every now and again, my grand will mention it because you get into the life and she'll talk about things like that. It makes me feel uncomfortable and sad when she mentions stuff like that. Um, and you've got mm. family members as well. I'm sure you, you, it's as much the same for yourself. You know, there is a sort of there's a there is a definite taboo subject when it comes to talking about death. And this film attempts to sort of like destigmatize a little bit mm. so that people should be able to talk about it and be able to understand it and. Yeah. Not just see it as sort of the inevitable end, but something that they can, like, I wouldn't say work towards, work towards is the wrong word, but understand that it will happen and enjoy life until it happens. And don't just say nice things about the person when they're dead and they, can, they can't mm. hear it. Say it to them when they're alive. I think that's a big part yeah. of this film. What, what do you think of it? Yeah, that, yeah, totally. Did. That, was, that was the message that I picked up from it. And it's always been a kind of message that I've always kind of thought about as well as kind of just like, you know, um, like think, like say that kind of stuff to people, like treat people nicely because at the end of the day, it's like, what's the fucking point saying it when they're in a fucking box? It's I, like, they're not going to hear it. I put a nice Instagram post up about someone when they pass away, you could have said it to their face, you know, before they... You know, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. So... It's it's one of those things. Um, I, I quite like this movie. The only thing I didn't like about it, and I'll try and kind of like not ruin ruin the ending, so I'm going to kind of gallop around. But you'll know what I'm talking about. I would never do that to any one of my friends or family. Right. Well, see, this is this is, this is the thing I was getting about it. Right. See, that that's the only bit that I had rough ideas about. That's too that's too far. That's too think, far. Do you think everyone there thought he was dead? Because I don't, mm. I don't, I think, no. I think the guy no. who's talking, I think he's almost, he's taken, he's, he, he doesn't think, he doesn't think he's dead, he knows, I think he knows he's still alive, I think he knows this, but yeah, I think yeah, the, yeah. the profit of losing his friend, and yes, and talking about it is what's bringing the emotion out of him. So, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, totally, totally, I, I feel like, because you even see him, like, see in the kind of, like, the early part of the movie, and he was like, and he was standing on the stage, and the fella, uh, Dick Johnson, was um, like climbing in the coffin. Like you seem like his pal was getting a bit weird about it all. And Wait, I think it, I think his pal comes out. And it's an Yeah, and you see that they are at the the later part of the life now. So it's like that kind of like train of thought must like it must always be there. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to think most young people they're not think, thinking about their fucking like. The end of the life, you no. know. But when you, when you hit it's your eighties and nineties, you will be thinking about that. Maybe, maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the issue the guy's got. Maybe it's not an issue. Maybe that's where his mindset is mm. when he sees his friend essentially acting yeah. out of funeral and acting out of his own demise. It yeah. hits too close to that, home. That that's why I've always get it. Always kind of breaks my heart a little bit when I see people who get to like, albeit a fucking fantastic age, like. I'm talking like late 90s, 100, 100 uh-huh. to 100, to all that shit. When they start out living, everyone that's came below them, yeah. that's that's when it becomes really sad for me. Like, that's what ends up fucking tearing me apart because then there's nobody, like, there's nobody at their funeral, you know? Well, that's, because that's, that's, that's one of the I thought when I was watching because, like, um, I, I had my, 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 my great grandfather's funeral. Um, mm. Like, in the last year and mm. that's what I noticed at his funeral the people who were there weren't people who knew him I mean, we all knew him we all knew him we all loved him yeah, but there's no one who can remember him as a young man and remember him being like sort of like a you know 
not being the kind of older gentleman. You know, that's the thing. It was like, a, young, a young, a young whippersnapper. Perhaps yes. There's, there's no one really remembers him yeah. as that man. And I guess that's mm. what you thought about with this guy. That like there is this sort of a sense of when you reach this guy's kind of a decent age. There is a sense of you know no one will remember him as he is. It's easy to remember as sort of like a dad and a granddad, mm. which he seems quite happy with. You know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is an understanding of like who he is. It's sort of maybe lost a little bit. And I think that's what mm. this film tries to do. It tries to capture who he was before he goes and, and, and capture his humour, capture his ideas. Also, there's a real sadness to it, the fact that I think she lost her mother that, in the film and it's like she's only got like two bits of film of her mother. So she's trying to like sort of, it's that and I need to capture something before he goes. Yeah. And, and I do kind of, I do kind of like, um, like uh, compare to that because there's barely any photos of me and my parents, like, yeah. like there's sorry, there's barely any photos of like us as a family and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, when she was talking about our mum and the fact is, like, this is the only footage she has of when she was like very much the tail end of her having was it Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah. I was nice dementia. She's got. It. Yeah, it's like so. I was a bit like, yeah, that is like. Unfortunately, you know. Time has came, and unfortunately, I'm in the same position where I'm like, I barely get any fucking pictures or nothing. Like, I have no pictures of them when they were younger or nothing. Aye. So, it's only I've only got like memories and a couple of pictures that have been taken in the last couple of years. So, I did very much like reminisce with that. But yeah. I was just about like, oh, fuck, I'm actually in the same boat, you know. But there's, there's yeah, that's horrible. There's also sad if you see that he's obviously suffering from dementia as well. Yeah, it's only just started though, because he is still kind of, like he is still sharp. So it's like he's very much at the start of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did like it. Um, I did like it. It was a conversation between him and his daughter, and he was a. Uh, oh, what did they say? She was. Oh, he said something like, uh, "I'll give you permission to to end my life." But can you can you run it by me when you're going to do it? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's fucking broke. He's a very witty guy. He's a very witty and funny guy. That's, yeah. a, that's, yeah. that's I think that's what brings it. I think that's what brings it through, and I think that's what makes it watchable. Mm. Much to about that's. Uh, she is like a kind of documentary filmmaker kind yes. of person, but I know this is going to sound a wee bit horrible. But I feel like this is more of like a, a personal project. Like this is something that maybe shouldn't have been released. This is it. This is my one negative with oh, this yeah. film. It's it feels like it's a it's a this more feels like a personal piece that maybe it was a it, it's a fucking brilliant idea. But yeah. I feel like it's something that you would look back on yourself, like because we don't know this gentleman, so yeah. we have no like because no because relationship. Of yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I, I, I found that up. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think I think you are right. I think you are. I, I get I get what you're saying. I, I agree with it to some part. Mm. The stuff that you're talking about, like him and her reconnecting mm. in some way, that I get it would be something that's just very private and be something you want to keep to yourself. But what I did like mm. was his interaction with his family and his interaction with his um grand um kids. And they're mm. um, sort of they're not hiding death from people and not hiding it from them. Mm. I think I think that's a really interesting and, and sort of and, and unique way of dealing with it in this in this world. I think people in this world right now, the sense is to always imagine that someone will always be there and when they do go away, it's a constant it's a shock, like, oh my god, I can't believe they're gonna go like but they were ninety nine years old. They were not, they're, it's, every day they got was you know, it's, it's 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 a gift essentially because you know, the world beyond the human lifespan at this point in time, so you shouldn't be surprised by it, but we still tend to be shocked that someone leaves, you know, and the fact mm-hmm. they're bringing their kids up in a way that they understand, like, you know, this person was here before, this person then is now gone, but we remember them and that's good. I like that. Mm. I enjoyed that part of it. Oh, no, totally. That was, like, that was a nice... That was... That's what I loved about it, is the fact that it wasn't a taboo subject. Like, she's literally, like, went to this hostel to hire, like, it's a proper like film production yeah. crew that's running yeah. around with it. It's not just like a wee kind of like thing you'd maybe see on YouTube. It's like a proper like yeah. production. Uh, the bit also with like the fake blood that was quite funny as well because he thought they were going to use his blood, and, and they're like, "Oh no, no, we've got like this jar of blood." And he's like, "All right then." <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah um, well, it, it was like a, 
there was a lot of funny moments in it, yeah. but I just feel it's a more of like a personal thing that yeah. may may not have been released. Like I would I would have loved to have made something like that for my folks. So like when they do finally pass on, it's like I can look back and have a good giggle and a laugh at yeah. that. But I would never I'd never want to release it to the public because these people don't know my parents. Fair point. So you know, unless you're making a cat something like a vlog style YouTube channel and people have spent years growing up like with your folks as yeah. well, then I could see the kind of relationship that the audience would have with the person. But yeah. with just this movie that's like I know we're in 30 minutes, I feel like I didn't have that connection with this gentleman. That's all. Fair point. It's a very fair so, point. Um, I think yeah, it's also the kind of film you would definitely tell someone to approach with caution if you have got sort of older family members, maybe older, older you know, parents, yeah. um, or if you've suffered a loss recently. It is a kind of film that I think could be quite triggering to people because it, it does deal with sort of quite dark and deep concepts. So it, 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 could, <laughs> it could be a tough watch for people. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I personally like I'd give it seven and a half out of ten. I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I totally man. I'll give it, I'm giving it seven out of ten. I was. Yeah, totally the same boat as you. It's it's an interesting movie. It's it's a different movie. It's a, yeah. it's dealing with a subject as we spoke about that doesn't ever get fucking mentioned. So anything that tries to break down those barriers is always welcome in my book. Yeah, um, it's just that I, I personally didn't know the gentleman, so I felt always a bit of a kind of outsider looking into this little like fish tank lifestyle. Life feels too voyeuristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is like very much right at the tail end of that road, you know. Yeah. Um, good. Um, on from that, we move on to our last film of the week, which is again a Netflix release, an Italian Netflix release. We got all very, very classy with our foreign filmness. I know. Um, did you watch it subtitles? Did you subtitles? watch it sub? Just so into because you, you somebody made that mistake. What did you do? <laughs> did you subtitle it? Uh, no, no, no. I started life as subtitling, and yeah. then I changed it to dub. Right. And then I realised how fucking horrific it was okay. <laughs> because the people who were doing dubbing was, I don't know, <laughs> not into it. Never dubbed. No, never watched dubbed. Never watched dubbed. Unless it's Studio Ghibli, you can get away with it, but not, nothing else you could dub. I thought you were going to say at one point you started off in subtitle, but by halfway through you learned Italian. I'm like, oh my God. The film is called... <laughs> Yeah, the, the film so is. I changed it back. I changed it back to subtitles. That's fair enough. Um, the film is <laughs> a very boring UK title of Rose Island. I think it's in Italy, something like the Amazing Story of the of the Rose Island or something or something. It's, 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 it's a much longer title mm. in Italy. Um, Italian, I noticed. Um, okay. Created by Sydney Sibola, who is known in Italy but not anywhere else, and done a film called I Can Quit Whenever I Want. It's a trilogy of films, and apparently very big in Italy. And the plot of this film is based on a true story by a gentleman in the 60s who, in an attempt to impress a woman and also to become a tax exile, decides to set up his own country in the middle of... I mean, what a dream. I mean um, we've all been in that boat. We've all been, been in that boat. boat. We've all been in that boat. Um, it says about his own country by building an island off the coast of Italy, six miles out, away from their sovereign waters, and essentially becomes his story of making this island the people that attract and also eventually the Italian governments need to shut it down because then um, we want to, we don't want him being a tax exile and giving inspiration to millions to, to avoid tax because in yeah. Italy they don't want any sort of corruption. It's not a country known for its corruption at all. Um, mm. Everyone in this film, I don't know any of them. Uh, they are all mainly Italian actors. Um, so you've got uh, mm. Elise Germano, Elise Germano, so he plays the sort of main, the main dude. Uh, Matilda de Anglis, she plays the, the sort of love interest. Um, Tom o He's in Game of Thrones, he plays the guy in it as well. And Leonardo Liddy plays the best friend. Um, what do you think of this one? Uh, I actually found this very, very enjoyable. This was this was definitely the definitely the movie of the week for me. Uh, oh, really, out yeah. of the pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just because it was kind of I didn't I didn't actually know anything about this gentleman. Um and just yeah, just a total just f you to the the system and the government yeah. and just being like, yeah, I'm gonna build an island. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. What do I know? The, the film itself, like the film itself, is lovely. It's very charming. It's very quirky. It it, it, yeah. it plays into that, and I'm, I was all for it. And I was as, as a story, great wee story to wander along with, and you, it gallops along mm. at a decent pace. For the most part, it does yeah, get yeah. bogged down a little bit. And you probably got cut twenty minutes out at the time, making it a bit quicker. But for the most part, it's fine. 
they do yeah. make a very much a romanticised version of him doing this to impress the, his lost love, and that and that's the idea behind it. Mm. In reality, I think yeah. it was more that he was trying to attack sexual. I think essentially, unfortunately, there is a less romantic version of this story where he is doing it for the reasons they said he was doing it for. Um, yeah, I feel like if the dollop guys jumped into this story, I feel we would probably unravel a lot, and it the the minor story would actually be him trying to win her back. You know. Yeah. Um, he died recently, um, just very recently. And he, before he died, he gave his blessing for this film to be made. But I think it definitely the film is made in his guise to make him the hero. And in many ways, he is the hero because what he's doing is sort of totally yeah. unique. It's totally it's it's just beyond what anyone else ever doing. And it's very clever and it's very smart and it's and it's kind of just a very romantic story. His reasoning behind it may not be as great as, as what the film makes out, but the film itself plays it in a very in a lovely way. It has a almost yeah. Richard Courtesy feel to it at times, you know, the sort of the boat that rocked or um, you know, Love Actually esque yeah. to it. Yeah, totally. I was actually I was actually gonna compare it. I could not think of that bloody movie. <laughs> when I was sitting there watching it, I was sitting there like, what was that British movie about bloody pirate radios? <laughs> and it, yeah, totally it's very much that kind of it's the exact same era. Um and very much uh, the exact same vibe. The way it's shot, the way it's came across, where that is, it's very light-hearted, albeit dealing with some uh, strong subject matter. But it's done in a kind of light-hearted, juvenile way, and that's what I kind of clicked on, and that's why I really enjoyed it. It's like it's always it's always very tongue in cheek, you know. When he's talking to the when the the yeah. government's talking to the Vatican, and the Vatican's just pissed off because they're not like that. <laughs> the reason the, the problem they have is not the fact you build an island, the fact that on the front page of the Italian YouTuber with a girl's basically naked ass, and that's the issue. Mm. You don't want the Pope to see a naked ass. But if you read this, did you watch that in subtitles? And I've read it, and his line is something along the lines of, No, it's wonderful, it's a beautiful ass, but I don't want the Pope to see it. And it's just very quirky and very funny. And I, I, I found it a really charming, well done film. Um, all, all the mm. cast I thought were really good in it, but I have this problem when I'm watching films that are subtitled, um, where I don't know if the people who are playing the roles are good or not. I just I don't I don't know the language. I don't know how good the performance is. I'm just I'm just basing it kind of on a, on emotion purely. You know, it's like if someone if, if okay. an actor speaking English and they have, and they have a bad line reading, you go, oh, that was some bad acting. But I don't know if these guys are bad actors mm. or not. But I, I found them very believable in the role. Yeah, uh, I think it helps that the fact that we don't. Well, for me personally, sorry, it helps the fact it always helps a movie. If I don't know the people, yes, because it yeah. it, it sucks me right in. Yeah, as I've spoke before, when it comes to the high stratosphere actors and actresses, that's when I slowly start getting disconnected because I'm yeah. like, oh, that's Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's not a fighter pilot, you know. There are, if there's it's Joe Bloggs flying a plane, I'm like, that's Joe Bloggs flying a plane. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fair point. There are certain actors who it becomes very hard to distinguish who they are compared to the role they're playing. Yeah. That's definitely right. Um, but yeah, this like I said, this is on Netflix. I would probably recommend it for a wee, you know, it's, it's two hours long. I think it could be cut down to an hour and a half, hour and forty. I think I would be happy if it was done that. Yeah, um, totally. So maybe, yeah, and it felt like there's, there's a few different stories going on that didn't really expand along. Like you have the love story, you have the story between the friends. Mm. It doesn't really get resolved properly. Like at one point, his best friend and the promoter kind of hate each other, and then the mm. next, I know, the next thing they're all very happy and very lovable. Each other go like, there's, there's something missing. There. What what changed to make them become friends? You know that, that so. There's that yeah. kind of stuff. There's the stuff with the pregnant girl. Like what was her story? I mean, I'd like to see that explored more. Um, they, yeah. they seemed they seemed yeah. intent on putting Italian bureaucracy stuff in it, and that's where they, that's where they found the comedy from it, um, which it does. It is very funny, um, but they, mm. they leaned on that quite heavily in the second act, second and third act. It's sort of, and because of that, you lost a little bit of what this this band of rogue heroes doing a lot of stuff together, and you kind of lost that a little bit. So, but overall, it's it's a fun, enjoyable watch. It's, it's, it's a Sunday afternoon watch. I would say that that's kind of the ideal type. Oh of yeah, totally. I just wish they had, oh easily, easily, easily. I'm giving it a fucking. Eight and a half out of ten. There wow. you go. I really like I'm giving it a seven. I enjoyed it. Maybe not quite as much as you, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. At the time, I did like that uh, pirate radio film. Like, I really enjoyed it. Just a nice snippet of British culture yeah. and an era. And I, and I feel, if you're an Italian gentleman or woman, I feel like this is pretty much right up there with, yeah. you You will know about this gentleman if you come from Italy, I feel. Yeah. You know? Aye, at least in that. Aye. 
we do one of those stories that everyone in that area, everyone in that country will know, but no one else outside that country knows. Like, I'm trying yeah, to think, yeah, what yeah. would the Scottish equivalent be? Like, what would that be? Would it be something like the Rob Roy mm. story, be maybe something like that that no one really knew about until they made yeah. the film? Even the William Wallace story to some degree. Um, I'm trying to think of the yeah. Scottish story that everyone would know, that everyone, everyone knows. Like, even the Proclaimers, something like that, you know, something like everyone knows in this country, but no one else knows out with. The one Scottish one in the light of Proclaimers, it's shameful. Um, that yeah. is us. I don't, I don't. I do not hate the Proclaimers, I hate to say that's very quickly. I do not hate the Proclaimers, I just hate, uh, was it, fucking walk 500 miles? I, oh. I swear to God, like, every fucking, every event. Play another song by them. You can't say you hate the Proclaimers in this country. You will be taken away. It's, you've got to say it very, uh, very quietly. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, I'll have to cut that out of the, the, the pod, just in case you get whipped away by the, you know, the Scottish Mafia. <laughs> I've, I've done just... a couple of jobs that it feels like worse than hardly, but I'm pretty confident I could take it in at this point. <laughs> um, not to keep playing 500 miles at you for the whole thing. Um, <laughs> that is us for this week. And indeed, this is our probably, probably going to be mine and your last pod for 2020. It's been a shit show of a year, I think we can yeah. agree. It's been very nice talking to you the whole time through it. Depends what your outlook in life is. Yeah. It's been, <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty bad. It's, it's still ending bad. anything it's soon. But the, yeah. all the highlights of my week has been talking to yourself about random films for the for a wee hour or so that we do every, every week. It's been, it's been very nice and enjoyable and it's helped to, to quell the, the anger of the 2020 myself. Yeah, 100% man. I've said it many times, albeit off record at the start of like when we first uh, start up Zoom before we hit record. That has like, honestly, like it has been almost borderline therapy for me because I do <laughs> actually like, yeah. But yeah. At the end of the day, it's like you can only rant and rape your work colleagues so much before they start going, I think this cunt needs fucking like that here. Keep yeah. him on a watch list. Yeah. You know? No. It's, uh, that- this week, hour and a half we, we do every every week is, is definitely one of the highlights of my week. It's just it's very enjoyable, and it helps to yeah. It brings structure to a week to, to weeks and months that really don't seem to have any structure um, right now. Um, yeah, yeah. We will hope back. And I and I. Sorry, man, you go. I do hope. Sorry about that. I was going to say I do hope we are back doing everything we love. Everything from sitting in the pub talking about movies on the podcast to concerts, cinema, fucking everything. Just soon i i really do hope soon you know as do i, I really do hope that you know as do i um next week we are hopefully going to do a pod um myself and Stuart are going to talk about the, the sort of end of the year the box office top 10 the mm. the three beers top 10 and um, which you've still got your entries yes. in for we're gonna have to we're gonna have to look over them and hopefully that goes ahead there's a possibility it might not depending on schedules if not but you might be bracketed in for one final pod for the end of the year um, I That's okay, but I'll, I'll send over my my uh, working list and you can just pick and choose from that. So keep me posted. I'm always available, dude. Of course. Uh, but that, for this week, I've been Richard, you've been Barry, you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.